dude. Things will average out. If you just keep going about your merry way, you might miss a four footer, but you might make a 25 footer that you should have no business making. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got our other co-host, our partner in crime, Matt Cermak, with up, me Bev? on the train. And we were just saying at the end of this interview, this happens, I'd say one out of 10, maybe one out of eight episodes where we finish recording and Sermon, Sermon and I pause for a second. We both go, wow. It's wow. <laughs> that was really good. And yeah, that it, happened. It was great. On this interview. But before we get to that, guys. If you're new, welcome aboard. If your golf game is off the rails, sick ride in the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, oh boy, you can smile through anything. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. I know you guys know that the part train podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ tour pros, bestselling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track before we get to this episode first actually first kind player coach well i guess we did it with ward and eric but this was the first one we did rooted in mental golf type yeah and so we'll get to that but first the part train podcast is presented by rowback performance apparel and guys they Heard just they just launched all of this new uh women's apparel mother's day's coming up uh yeah i know it's mostly guys that listen to this show but get your lady some rollback stuff. You go to rollback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. How much more is she going to love you getting rollback stuff if you're dabbling and getting her some stuff along the way? Sir, maybe you need to get Shannon something. I just got Tara this new polo, this sleeveless polo with pineapples on it. She loves it. Yeah. No, you're right. Basically what you're saying out there, you want to be a better spouse, you want to be a better boyfriend, better yeah. husband. <laughs> go Use to rollback. They've also just dropped, they restocked their destination polos. So these are some of my favorite prints, polos, and their spring Q-zips are back in stock. So this is probably the time to reload on some new polos, get a Q-zip for a little bit, those cool mornings or twilight nights, and everything's four-way stretch, wicks away the moisture. Actually, Colton is sponsored by Roback. Yeah, how uh, great the is that? Pro we had on the show today is a Roback athlete. So it's fitting. You know, Roback's the best. Go to Roback.com, enter the code train, get 15% off and keep sending us your messages. We love getting your messages every no, week the best. about how great Roback is. We'd never see you wrong. I'm wearing the Azalea hoodie right now. Uh, get yourself 50% off. With I the mean, code train. lastly, I mean, I was at the, I was at the Cubs game over the weekend. I have Corey Mall, big fan of the show, comes up to me, nice Roback buddy. And we start talking and it sticks out. It sticks out in the bar. It sticks out in the office. Don't you think it's a little bit of like a secret society? Like every time I'm wearing a rowback, someone comes up to me and says, Hey, I love your rowback. Kind of gives you the look. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like they're blowing up, but it still feels small. Like if you're wearing it, it's like, you know, something other people don't. And it's kind of like this little nod of this secret society. So join that secret society, enter the code train. (laughs) I love that. Don't that secret society. All right. Um, sir, we got to do more of these episodes. Okay. I'm getting certified in mental golf type. We've had Kyle all drink on the show before one of the partners of mental golf type, essentially a personality assessment. It's totally free at mentalgolftype.com. You get to see if which of the 16 personality types you are, and then they have training programs that, uh, I think you can enter the code train and get 15% off those training programs now. 
Um, oh yeah. But you could do specific training program for your mental golf type. And we're going to continue to layer in this stuff to the content that we do because it's so interesting. But what I really loved about this episode is we got to talk with a up and coming 24 year old bomber that went to U of A just like me that just joined the Canada tour. And he is working with Kyle mental golf type. And he talked about things that he was doing totally against the grain of things that didn't match his personality. And now he's starting to see some serious results based on very small tweaks that he made based on his personality. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible to to really hear a great young professional talk about huge strides he's made in areas he didn't think he had to make. Right. And we go into, you know, the, the mental golf, um, kind of assessment and learnings around that. But I thought it was just phenomenal when he started talking about how he thinks, he thinks kind of, kind of thinks one way off the tee, but thinks learned how to think totally different around the greens, you know, and a lot of it has to do with target and thought process and some of the drills they worked on. So you guys are going to love to kind of to hear that, but this relates back to anybody. Right. And I would really encourage everybody listening to go to mental golf type and take the assessment because guys, as we know, there's all these ideas, there's all these thought processes, there's all these teachers, there's all these ways to play golf and think about golf, but Evan's way and how he should be thinking is different than how CERM thinks. And yeah. you're going to find, and you're going to find this out by taking the assessment, going to mentalgolftype.com and doing this. I mean, mm-hmm. I would start there. Right. And yeah. we can actually build these conver- build off these conversations with our listeners based on what they're finding out, what they know they need to work on. Um, Colton is awesome. Kyle is awesome. It's going to be fun watching Colton on the can- uh, Canadian tour this year, but incredible episode. It's going to be one of many, I think. Ev. Yeah, it really was one of my favorite episodes we've done in a while. Uh, I know for a fact, and trust me, guys, like I always try and do as Colton was talking, I kept trying to think about the 15 handicap and relate it back uh, to struggles that an everyday player goes through. But I think everyone will have these light bulb moments, these little golden nuggets of truth as you hear Colton and Kyle go back and forth in this episode. So definitely stay to the end. We go, we don't even get through his full mental golf types. We'll have to bring them back or maybe Kyle, even with another player, but um this was an amazing episode, mentalgolftype.com. Get the free assessment. And Colton Lapa could be a force out on tour. Wait, we'll see. God, he can move it off the tee. Talk about bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Go to his Instagram and check him out, guys. Yeah, this underscore guy, Colton Lapa on Instagram. Uh, Roback athlete. We love that. And U of A alum, bear down. So as always, guys, oh. thank you for hopping aboard. If we've added any value, give us a review at Apple Podcasts. We want your story to inspire others to hop aboard the train. If you're loving the show and you don't follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, I don't know what you're doing, but follow us. You need to wake up. Yeah, wake up (laughs) at the par train. You'll get little nuggets that we're not talking about on the show and take it to the course because not everybody has time for an hour episode every week. So get a couple Instagram posts or tweets and uh, improve your game. And no matter how many fairways you miss, no matter how many greens you don't hit, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Colton Lapa, Kyle Alderink. Guys, welcome aboard the train. Kyle's second time, Colton's first time. Welcome aboard.
Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good to be back, man. I can't um, even fathom a better guest than a rowback athlete, Arizona alum, married to a Scottish gal. (laughs) Colton, you're, you're checking all the boxes. Okay. Obviously I went to Arizona. We're big rowback people. And is there anything better than Scotland? So we're pumped to have you. You've, you've done it all already. It doesn't even matter what you've done in your career. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And I've got to play the old course, uh, on Christmas day. Um, oh, and wow. it's just, uh, it's a really cool experience to go over there and share it with my wife now. And, uh, yeah, just super thankful and uh, shout out to Roback for always making me look good. So it is true Colton, right? It is free to play the old course on Christmas morning. It is free to play on Christmas morning. I think uh, I think the old course is gonna not like that from me, but it is. So you go. We've already there. posted it on Instagram, <laughs> so you're good. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I had I had no idea, but basically you just go there, right to the first tee, and you carry around a mat with you all day, so you don't hit off grass. Um, you carry around a mat, mm. and uh, you just kind of wait in line. And when we got there, there was there was two groups that were waiting to tee off, and. Uh, I used a, a rental set with Callaways with regular flex and I gave it my best shot out there. And it, to this day, she beat me and she will forever tell everybody that she beat me that day. And uh, no, it was just one of the coolest experiences I've ever had is, is playing the old course with her dad, with her and myself. It was, it was awesome. What's the miss? A tour pro with regular flex, you're 6'3". You're a big well, he's guy. Got, he's got to slow it down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> is the miss left? For me, it was left. Or, as a left. Well, you're a lefty, so I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was right. a, a, a but slice. no, I was I was fanning these things okay. high and left. They look okay. like just high yaws out to the left. <laughs> um, but no, overall, it was just really cool. And when we got to the the hole where you hit over the hotel number seventeen, and I'm like, man, that hotel's really in play. Because if I hit a quick little snap hook right here, like it's going to break a window. That'd be the last and, time I come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm going to be banned from this place. And so, uh, no, got a really cool video of me on that hole. And then we took a picture on the, on the bridge on 18. And um, when I was on that trip as well, we got to do a dinner at the RNA clubhouse right behind the 18 mm-hmm. right there with drinks and, it was cool. I got to see all of the golf clubs and, and just the generations before and, and what they played with and the golf ball. I don't think people understand this. The golf ball they used to play with back in the day, the thing was lopsided. Like if you hit a putt, it was just going to be bouncing all over the place. Mm. Um, but no, it was, it was really cool just to see how golf has really evolved from, from where it started. Yeah. I had, Serm knows this story. I had one of my most nervous moments ever was on 17 at the old course, I had just realized for the first time that I was one over and I've never shot even par in my life. So I was like, okay, I'm staring at a hotel. I know exactly where I'm at. I need to par this hole and then I can birdie 18, like 18's, you know, a gettable hole. I've got a hundred yards of fairway, which Kyle saw my driver at Pinehurst. So that was comforting. And, uh, I ended up making, I ended up doubling the road hole and then I lipped out a birdie putt on 18. So 75 for me was pretty awesome at the old yeah. course, but that's cool. I don't yeah. know if you experienced this as well, but when I was on 18, 
there's so much room off the tee that it's kind of intimidating. Mm. And I almost hit it out of bounds right with a hundred <laughs> yards left. And so uh, it was weird. It was really hard to like pick a target far enough left. You, you right needed now. Kyle out there to get in front of you and say, we're talking target. Right. And then <laughs> Kyle, I saw one of your Instagram videos where you're right in front of your student. Mm-hmm. And then you move out of the way, even on that hundred yard fairway or hundred yard wide fairway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a fun one I do with some players, and it freaks them out a little because they're like, "Are you gonna move?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'll be out of the way." <laughs> yeah, a couple of times, a couple of times has been close, but yeah, that's a that's a fun exercise to do with some players. Well, we're gonna dive into. We're actually this is gonna be fun for me selfishly because we're the same mental golf type, Colton. We're both oh, ENFPs, nice. which nice. Kyle is too. I think, Cermak, what what were you again? I was I for, it was close, but something you were just one different. letter off. Yeah. He was ESFP. Yeah. <clears throat> ESFP. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll be drawing parallels for my own game as we talk. But first, I kind of want to start today's conversation off with, did I see this correctly? Nine playoff holes in US <laughs> Open qualifying? Yeah, man. It and was, you've it moved was on? Yeah, it was crazy. So um, played in Jackson, Tennessee at Jackson country club, which is a great golf course. And, uh, the greens were great and they tucked the pins and I started on the back nine bogey, 10 bogey 11, but 10, 11 and 12 were the hardest golf holes on that golf course. And, uh, so I'm like, all right, you know, you're, you're through these three holes, you're two over par, like it's time to go get it now. And, um, started making a couple birdies and just didn't hit as close as I wanted to all day. And, and I gave myself a lot of chances, but I just didn't make the putts. And, uh, so I finished, I shot two under and I was T five and top five advance. And so I felt like I had a really good shot. Um, and right at the very end, two guys came in with lower scores and, and bumped me out. And so there was a playoff for, a spot to get in as well as the first alternate spot or two spots. I'm sorry. And then one first alternate, but then the way the USGA does it is you have to play a playoff for the second alternate spot as well. And so I'm like, shoot, man, I have a three hour drive back to Starkville, Mississippi. Like, I just want to get on the road. Like I'm going to be second alternate. And so I kind of changed my mindset a little bit and I was like, no, this is good practice. Like, let's say I get into a corn fairy playoff next week. Well, I can just go back to this playoff that I just did. Remember the nerves that I had and that I'm competitive. Like I want to win. And so it was a a four for one for the second alternate spot, two guys right away, they missed and uh, had this sweet little up and down on the very first playoff hole. I was stuck in a bunker, hit this sweet shot to two feet, made that the other guy missed his birdie putt. And then we just went back and forth with pars for a long time. And then um, on the seventh playoff hole, he stuck it to maybe three, four feet. So I knew he was going to make birdie. And I had a 20 footer down the hill and just cashed it. And I was like, all right, let's go. And uh, had a sweet <laughs> up and down on the next hole and then birdied the uh, the ninth playoff hole. So it's, uh, you know, it's second alternate, but at least I have a chance. And, and I also left that trip knowing like, all right, like I did it. Like I, I won another playoff. And, and so it felt good. And, and that's the thing with golf. You got to continue to build on the little victories. And so, yeah, it was quite a day. And Colton, just for context for listeners, that was sectionals. So that was, you had 36 that day. Uh, locals. Or that 18, was local. 
locals. Oh, that was locals. Okay. Yeah, locals. Yeah. So yeah, played 18, um, waited around for about an hour and a half, had some lunch, <laughs> putted, and then went back out there. And I believe the playoff ended up taking about an hour and a half, two hours almost to play another nine holes. So yeah. I was exhausted. Well, did you notice what he said, Kyle? He changed his mindset, and we'll get into each part as we continue talking. But, you know, I'm getting certified in this, too. I'm almost done. And what I heard as an intuitive, so ENFP, extroverted, intuitive, feeler, perceiver, right? Mm -hmm. And intuitives are better when they're ends-oriented, so creating new goals, where sensors are means-oriented, so how-to, step-by-step, more swing-focused, right? So you were in a state that you could already tell probably through your work with Kyle and otherwise, okay, well, that mindset I just thought might've been true, but it probably wasn't going to help me much, right? I need to commit to that. I'm in this playoff. Let's try and win. So you created a new goal for yourself. And I bet you that if you wouldn't have made that very simple shift, you probably wouldn't have moved on. It would have been harder for you to grind out up and downs and be fully committed. Fair? Yeah, no, totally fair. Um, and yeah, I mean, the thing is like, we're, we're all competitors at the end of the day and I don't want to lose these guys. And especially, especially I get to the first tee in this, this kid in, in the playoff, he looked really young. And so I'm like, man, how old are you? And I look at four. <laughs> he <laughs> AJGA bag tag. He was a 2026. 20, so <laughs> <laughs> what is that like eighth grade and i'm like wow. dude I'm, I'm like double your age right now wow. and so it was uh it was pretty cool but no yeah i i completely agree you, you shift your mindset and you just make new goals being in that situation never the u.s open but just qualifiers you think you're going to qualify you realize you become an alternate and you've waited it out you had to see that it's very frustrating you start backtracking what did i do wrong today you know in the last couple of holes but if you found yourself in a playoff for not an alternate spot, you might be a little more nervous, but alternate, you're kind of mad. You're kind of annoyed. And you're like, let's go. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm competitive, but like it, it can loosen you up actually. And then it's funny. How do you take that attitude to let's say when you were going in is trying to actually make the tournament. I think yeah. that's just quite a dynamic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I, I think one of the most powerful things he said too was he's he's linking that to future opportunities as well, right? So he's like, well, if I get into playoff in the Corn Ferry, you know, next week mm-hmm. or something like this is preparing me. So again, that's that's right. an intuitive working, you know, the way they work is like seeing how this is going to match the next, and they're just always like you said, kind of that ends oriented. Like this is going to prepare me, so let's do this. Let's put it in my all. Well, that's so important, Kyle, and I don't think we talk enough on this show because it's so easy to be in a challenging, I fell into this trap at Pinehurst number two. Like I had an intention, I had a mindset going in the day and sometimes courses, especially like that one can just beat you down and you feel like you're behind the eight ball every hole. And it's like, it would have been easy, which happened to me to get down to myself, go in internal get quiet, feel like I'm ruining this experience. But Colton, you found a way to say, even if it doesn't happen in this experience, you basically found a way to focus on the fact that it's going to help you learn something down the road. You don't know what that's going to be yet, but that 
I think it's a really great tip for everyone listening that even when you're going through something really hard, remembering that it's going to help you learn for something in the future if you let it. Right. Right. No, I completely agree. And, and the thing that I found early on was every single time you tee it up, you can always learn something about your game, what felt good, what didn't feel good, and just how your, your thoughts are. And Kyle and I have done a lot of work together as far as figuring out what works best for me as an, as an extrovert versus someone that might be an introvert. And so um, we can kind of dive into that a little bit, but I've, I've learned so much through Kyle as far as just being an extrovert and just how I can always learn something from an experience, whether it's good or bad. Um, and just, like I said, build off that. Um, and it might help me next week in the Nashville Corn Ferry Monday qualifier. It might help me at Q school maybe in, in six months, but you can always go back to something that worked. Um, and then the last thing about this little playoff is the Veritex bank championship that was last year. Um, I was in a six for one playoff to actually get into the corn Ferry event. And so I kind of took the same momentum I had from that. And I thought about, wow, I just, I went through a six for one with really good players. I can win this four for one easily. And so like, you just continue to build off every experience you've ever had. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from one of our brand new sponsors. This is a brand new type of golf shoe. I'm telling you guys, I've never worn a shoe like this. I'm not just saying that, but let me give you some context, okay? I used to work with TaylorMade, so I did a lot of work with Adidas Golf, okay? I've worn a ton of Adidas Golf shoes. Uh, Ever since I left that job over the years, I've probably worn mostly Nike And I just got a pair of G4s at a member guest. Um, Everyone got a pair of G4s. And so I feel like I've, I've worn a decent amount of brands over the years. And I don't know about you, I've never fully found my shoe. Like my Nikes I like because they look on the sportier side and I just like Nike as a brand. But I've got really wide, flat feet. And it's not the most comfortable shoe. I actually have to consciously leave the laces a little looser. Otherwise, the outsides of my feet hurt. Um, G4s are known for their comfort. And I've liked them. You know, they've been decent shoes. But uh, I also don't love, I know it's not a saddle look, but just that classic golf shoe look. I just don't want to wear that all the time. Sure, maybe if I'm a little bit more dressy on a certain round, sure, I'll wear it and I'm fine with it. But I was never really ecstatic about my golf shoe. I never really felt like I found the shoe for me, okay? Well, here's the thing. The old marketing director from TaylorMade uh, now is the director at Olakai. And she contacted me a few months ago. And she says, I love what you're doing at the part train. We would love to launch our brand new golf shoe with you. And the part train listeners. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like I've told you many times, I never promote a product until I receive the product and make sure I love it. Because I don't want to share anything just for the money. I genuinely have to make sure that I love it so that you guys will love it too. And she just sent it to me. I haven't broken these in. And I said to Melissa, I said, hey, okay, this is going to be the perfect time to test them. I'm I'm putting these things on brand new at Van Dunes some of the hardest walks, right? I'm playing 36 a day and guys, I am blown away. Okay. My fiance never doesn't, she doesn't like any golf shoe. And when I opened the box for the new Wale 
uh, or Walea shoe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but the Walea shoe. Uh, it's this amazing white leather, wall, all waterproof, subtle blue um, sole and like this dark blue heel and little uh, blue accent on the tongue. It looks like this elevated, like super casual, nice sneaker, but it's got a little sporty twist to it. So I opened up the box. Tara freaked out. She's like, you have to get me a pair of these. These are exactly what I've been looking for. And they call themselves the most comfortable golf shoe. I I love the look. The comfort's even better. These Olakai Wale golf shoes are the best golf shoes I've ever worn. And the coolest part about them is, you know, Olakai is known for their sandals. And I could never wear flip-flops because my feet are so flat and wide. The only pair of flip-flops, leather flip-flops, I've ever been able to wear that were comfortable that my feet could fit were Olakai's. So it's ironic, but also it makes sense, you know, that if Olakai makes the best quality sandals and the best quality leather, their foray into the golf shoe, it makes sense as to why these are so good. And speaking of the whole thing mm-hmm. with their sandals and this laid back culture and honoring Hawaiian culture, uh, the heel of the shoe is built to fold down. So if you want to slip into these shoes and just kind of wear them with your heel out to happy hour or afterwards, after the round, they are built to flip down and then flip back up. It is the coolest. Like, you don't think you'd ever need it, but when you do it, it's actually kind of awesome. And so I love everything about these shoes. I can't wait to tell you guys more about them, but I want to get you back to the show. So make sure you go to olakai.com. Go into the show notes. They're also going to be linked in our bio at The Par Train on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Click that link um, and get yourself the Willey golf shoes. They got a couple types. The others are a little bit sportier. They kind of look more like a trail shoe. Um, but I just think these... These Willey golf shoes, they come in white, stone, and dark wood. Unbelievable shoe. I'm telling you, it's my new go-to golf shoe. I wouldn't steer you wrong. So go to olakai.com, hit that link in our show notes or linked in our bio on Instagram at The Par Train, and get yourself some of these. You will not regret it. I can't wait to get your DMs of, oh my God, Evan, you were right. Just like with Roback, just like with Roosters, just like with 18 Birdies, all of our partners. These Olakai Willey shoes are the greatest golf shoes I've ever worn. So, and start enjoying the walk, you know? We're all about enjoying the ride, but enjoy the walk as well. These shoes are incredible. All right, let's get back to the show. Kyle, is that, building off of what Colton just said, is that going into every round, every competitive round, I'm going to learn something today and it's going to build me, you know, for what's coming next. Is is that what you kind of talk with each other about or with your players? Because that's, it's easy to lose sight of that, but it's quite, that's a healthy outlook. Yeah. I mean, for the people who really do it, you know, I, I think it's, it's interesting. I'm not knocking anybody, but I see those motivational quotes that will say that stuff everywhere. But then I also see people who just don't practice it at all. You know, they're so quick to criticize and whatever. So somebody who is truly adopting that mindset is going to grow because on a deeper level, essentially what you're doing is you're trying to grow your self-image, your belief system. Because that, at the end of the day, is you know what how we're going to operate. You know, if your self image is weak and it's like you to not get through playoffs, well, you're standing there like, well, it's like me not to get through this playoff. You know what I mean? So when yeah. he's truly taking that, like, man, I've been through these playoffs, I've done this. Like he's got that belief, like I can do this. So every time you're learning something or even going through and saying, well, you know what, I had 14 great holes, 
but three were off instead of focusing on just the three of what I, what I do wrong. Like, what did I truly do great? How do I build on that? And I think that's an incredibly powerful thing to take from and say, look, if I just do that a little more, I'm great. But you know, you, you guys play, or you play college golf. Like what does everybody do when they get done with a round of golf? They gather around and they go, Oh, I've double bogeyed this hole. I triple bogeyed that hole at top. I mean, everybody goes immediately to what did I do bad every time. <laughs> you know, very few people will sit there and go, wow, I really drove well today. You know, I did this. Man, if I just do this a little better next time, because now we're going into practice, like we can be a little fine, you know, fine tune that, you know, be a little sharper, but we keep always building. And to even take that a layer deep, like in practice, some of the stuff Colton and I talked about is like every time you hit a great one in practice, like, effing right like that's how i do this you know what i mean and as you start to build on that almost like that muhammad ali floyd mayweather type stuff like you're starting to walk with a little body language and practice like that stuff really starts to grow that confidence and that belief but again in practice how many players will sit there hit five good ones not say a word hit a bad one be like oh that was terrible yeah you know but i want the player that's out there like every time i hit a good like that was so good well right we don't celebrate what we're good at right yeah it's never you know it's, you know, shoot 70 with a double and, you know, and you're, you're, you're complaining about your pitching, right. When, when you're a freaking great driver of the golf ball, but, it, it, and it's just, and then how do you kind of manage that in your next practice session? Sometimes we're working maybe too hard on what we're not the best at and maybe not double downing on our strengths. It's that fine line, right guys. I think Luke Donald's like a perfect example, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, dude was number one in the world. And he got convinced he needed to, you know, focus purely on his driver. Um, and we all kind of know what happened. I mean, he's, you know, still on tour, obviously, but he's not number one in the world. And you've seen that with, I think, a lot of players that, you know, try to change something to go away from their strengths and, you know, they end up losing. I mean, Tiger Woods was never a good driver of the ball. So he could have been like, screw it. I'm going to put everything into being a good driver. But no, I mean, he can still go shoot a couple under from the trees. And he does. Right. I mean, dude played a tournament, like, what was it, like two or three years ago? I mean, he was literally in the trees every hole and shot like 200 on the, on the front nine. Like every hole in the front nine, he was in the trees. So, yeah, I think building on your strengths and what you're good at is good, but I still think there needs to be a balance. I mean, we still want to tighten up the weekends, but no, it doesn't no. need to be like, you know, my short game is a little bit weaker than everything. I'm going to put all my attention on that. Like, you still got to be great at what you're great at. Well, I learned something, Kyle, from Pico. Matt Pisconso, when um, we were two of the first people there, he's on the corn ferry and, you know, he's a golf nut. Not all pros are right. Some guys don't know what they do and they kind of like DJ, they go out, they do their thing and they don't really think about how they do it. Pico's not like that. Pico knows exactly what he does, how he does it. And he's very good at helping others. So he was nice enough to help me. And he said something to me that I took with myself that on the first few holes, when I birdied my, the third hole at Pinehurst, no big deal, you know, and, uh, on your and, route to 72, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was a bright moment on a, you know, not the brightest day, but we had a great time. Kyle and I had a great time, but he said something to me that I said to myself on the course that led to a birdie. And I want to share it. And because I've never actually thought it on the golf course, even though I've thought it in life, Matt told me many times that he is a really good athlete. And like, at some point he's going to figure out how to get the ball in the hole. He's going to figure things out because of his superior athletic ability. I've always been a great athlete. 
always performed mm-hmm. well in all sports, was a pretty damn good baseball player. And I, when I play golf, it's easy for me to feel like it's a separate thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm a little bit inferior, you know, I've got baseball swing stuff that doesn't always help me. It's a little steep, but on the third hole, I said to myself, I'm a pretty damn good athlete. And it was just kind of like, um, a little bit of a boost to Kyle's point of like, all it was, was a mental focus and shift, but it gave me a little bit more confidence to swing committed and aggressive, you know? So something to keep in mind, I think, you know, we talk about self-talk a lot, but find your things, find the things that you think get you jazzed up and give you a little bit of a boost. Right. So just something that I think every person can kind of think about. Yeah. I would agree. Colton, do you have anything that you tell yourself? It sounds like you talk, like, what, what do you say? Yeah. Well, Kyle, Kyle probably knows this, but I talk about how great I drive the golf ball. And, uh, Mm. I think when I'm always vocalizing that, um, it's just, it just comes true. And, and I have this self-belief that I am the best driver of the golf ball and I would love to put myself against anyone out there. And I think when you continue to express that to your coach or, or close friends, like you don't need to broadcast it to the world, but if you're continuing to tell your circle how great you are at one thing, I think it just becomes this self-belief. And if you can continue to fine tune every other part of your game, um, like for example, I haven't been putting very well for the last couple of years, but I just changed my entire routine. I changed my stroke. I changed my setup. I changed everything. And I am finally rolling the rock and I can confidently say that I would love to putt against anyone out there in the world again. And it's just that self-belief. And as an extrovert, this is something I want to bring up that Kyle and I have talked about as an extrovert, I love talking and I love talking to other people and I love talking my shots out loud. And the more I do all of that stuff, the more I believe it in myself. Whereas in, if I went more as an introvert and I hit a shot or something like that, and I just didn't really say anything, it, it would just kind of, it would do nothing for me. But I love to joke. I love to make a laugh. Like I love to just express myself out loud. And all the time when I'm doing that, it helps me believe in myself more. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think expressing, I think just knowing yourself can go a long way for your golf game and no one's the same. That's the thing. No one's the same. What might work for you, Kyle, or, or anyone out there, like it might be completely different, but I am continuing to learn what works best for me. And I think that's really cool. So on that note, Colton, is that the biggest change from the extroversion side that you've made since working with Kyle and learning about your mental golf type is that staying quiet doesn't serve you. You need to engage. You need to vocalize out loud. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. So I think I was driving to Tampa, Florida. I think when we had our very first phone call and I was still kind of struggling at that time. And I, I did the, the test with Kyle and, you know, I already knew I was an extrovert, but I was kind of expressing what changed from, I moved from Scottsdale to Mississippi. So a, a bit of a change there. And so in Scottsdale, I have a ton of friends. I have a lot of professional golfers to play with. Whereas in Mississippi, I'm practicing by myself and I'm in my own head a lot. 
So when I was in Scottsdale, if I hit a bad golf shot there, I would laugh about it. I'd be like, dude, that sucked. And like, you kind of laugh it off and you just go on. Whereas in Mississippi, I hit a bad golf shot and I really overanalyzed why it was bad. And I have no one there to express it to except myself. And so I just got into this really deep rabbit hole of every time I would hit a bad shot or a bad chip or a bad putt, I would be like, okay, why, 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 why? Whereas back in Scottsdale, I would never focus on that and be like, ah, that was bad, whatever. I'm, I'm sure the next one will be good. And so that's the biggest thing I found was how I practiced is I really need to be around other people. I really need to be engaged and talking out loud and, and just enjoying being at the golf course with other people. And that's just how my brain works. Um, Tiger Woods, I don't know, Justin Thomas, like those guys, they might love being on their own, just in their thoughts, just grooving. And, and that's why I love working with Kyle. That's why I love the mental game is because everyone is so unique. Um, and another thing that I found out was when I am talking my shots out loud, it doesn't allow for my brain to let negative thoughts creep in. And so as an extrovert, as, as long as I continue to talk on the golf course and I'm around people and having fun, my game really takes off. Whereas someone that's an introvert, like they might, might just really be in their own thoughts. So that's why I, I think it's, it's so key to find out what works best for you. Well, Kyle is, this is why the program is so transformative, right? Is just because you're an extrovert doesn't mean you need to do everything extrovert on the golf course, but also if you're an extrovert and all we've heard our whole life is you got to be focused, you, you got to talk sparingly and you, you got to never get distracted, right? These are the learnings that you find out. And I think it's just so powerful. Well, that's that, uh, like I like to call the Hollywood focus. I mean, that's, that's the stuff we love to see, right? These motivational videos, you like to see people with the intense stare, like they get into the zone, but the truth is the zone isn't like that for a lot of people. Um, you know, when, when Colton's probably working his best, most people look at him like he's not focused out here. You know, he's just goofing off because he's laughing and he's joking, but you know, he can still get into the right focus and hit that shot, but it's not going to be just the, you know, Tiger Woods walking through locker rooms and not saying a word to people just intimidating type thing. That's just, that's, that's good for some, but not good for others, but you hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, we're not hundred percent extroverted we have extroverted and introverted qualities. So even introverts have things that they're good at expressing. So like an ISTJ is good at just talking out maybe the, um, essentially how they're making their decision. You know, what's the logical decision? What's the data telling me? And then this, so talking, I mean, Jordan Spieth is, um, speculatively an introvert, you know, but you hear him and his caddy chirping through the, the, some of the details of the shot and stuff. Uh, but then again, he gets back into the zone and gets into what he needs to do. And, um, so there's, there's those qualities, but like Colton said, you know, really understanding what qualities are good for you and how to use them is really, really important. And like I've said on your show before, understanding warning signs of stress is huge. So, you know, when Colton and I were talking, I, one of the things we talked about and, uh, ended up kind of joking with the Seinfeld reference, but, you know, I told him like, look, dude, things average out. Cause he was telling me, I, I start hanging on to bad shots and that starts to compile. It's like, look, dude, things will average out. If you just keep going about your merry way, you might miss a four footer, but you might make a 25 footer that you should have no business making, but we don't focus on that 25 footer. 
But if we keep rehashing those mistakes and then we, you know, try to start fixing things along the way, that's a big stress sign for like an ENFP. So understanding like, look, if I hit a bad shot or I have a bad hole, like the likelihood of that next shot or hole or whatever being great just went way up. So now instead of like, oh no, things are going bad, like there's some really good stuff coming. I mean, I, I truly believe when I was younger, if I had three bogeys in a row, then three birdies were coming. Like I'm going to get hot and just start ripping off three birdies. That was just, and I never understood why I did that. That's just how my rounds look. I did. I was never the par, 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 the bogey or birdie there guy. It was like four bogeys and five birdies in a row. Like I would always have just these strings. Um, and so I just kind of built this belief. I'm like, look, if I go on the bogey train, I'm going to bury a lot. But, you know, people always ask, does that work the opposite? I was like, no. Like, if I felt like I was burning, I felt like I was going to keep burning. If I, felt, if I was bogey, I was like, whoa, I'm going to get hot here quick. All right, guys, we're going to take another quick break here from one of our amazing sponsors, and then we'll get you right back to the show. Guys, I think we know Jordan Spieth works in a swing, right? I think we know Jordan Spieth works on a short game. We probably should a little bit more as well. But what if Jordan works on something that you may not know about? What if Jordan has a secret weapon that other players don't use to help them go from super down moments, like maybe number 12 at Augusta to a Claret Jug or the RBC Heritage Open. Well, it's called Neuropeak Pro. Okay. He uses a product. It's a brand new product called the Intel belt. And essentially you just put it on your bare skin underneath your chest and you'll be good to go. It's not a heart rate monitor. It's a breathing trainer. Okay. That's key. So it's unlike kind of anything out there on the market. And it literally trains you to breathe your way to the zone. Okay. Check out this video I just posted on Instagram. It kind of shows you the visuals. Obviously, on podcasts, we're just audio here. But uh, essentially, as I breathe, these lines go up and down in kind of a bell curve graph, and it's live. And so it's tracking my breathing and whether and where I am on the scale of optimum breathing to get in the zone or, or not optimum. And it essentially graphs me versus what the optimum state would be. So as I'm breathing and testing and training my own breathing, whether it's through my belly or through my chest, most people breathe through their chest. It's really best. And Neuropeak Pro trains us to breathe through our belly using our diaphragm. Um, I'll know. I'll know specifically and scientifically what it feels like as I'm getting closer to optimum breathing. And then I'll be able to pull from that while I'm playing golf or even in life and know how to settle myself down and get myself into the optimum state using my physiology and my breath. Okay. So it's really unlike any product out there. It really helped Jordan win the RBC heritage a week after he got cut from the masters, which I think he's only done once in his career. So if you want to feel like Jordan, you want to breathe like Jordan, and you want to just feel good regardless of what's going on around you and how your shots are in front of you, here's what you got to do. Tap the link in our show notes. Just tap this episode. You'll see a description. There'll be a link for Norpeak Pro. Tap that link, enter the code train. You'll get a free annual subscription. You can also go to our bio at the par train on Instagram. Tap that link there, enter the code train, get a free annual subscription. There's really no product like that, guys, out there like the Intel belt. So if you really want to take your game to the next level and breathe like the pros breathe uh, and just be a happier, more calm human off the course, definitely check out the Intel belt. It's really helped me on my journey as well. So thank you guys. Thank you to Nerpeak Pro. Hope you guys learn to breathe better and play better. Let's get back to the show. I want to just tell a quick story about what Kyle just said about um, how ever, everything averages out because 
right before the Tampa Open, like I said, was our first phone call. And that's when we started kind of thinking about that philosophy in this uh, tournament. I think it was the second round. I played pretty well the first day. I was in contention. And on number eight, I hit it in the right bunker as things just plugged against the lip. And I've got a punch out. So I kind of hit it out in the fairway and I hit a very mediocre wedge shot and I've got 40 feet up the hill now. And instead of just getting down on myself, I thought back to what Kyle and I talked about and I was like, everything averages out. Like I'm probably going to go make this putt now. And sure enough, I did. And then the whole after that, I made an Eagle. And then the whole after that, I made a birdie. And then the whole after that, I made a birdie. But so quickly I could have been like, man, this sucks. Like I, I pulled my drive a little bit. It shouldn't have been in the lip of that bunker. Like that's, and then that wedge shot was terrible, but I didn't allow myself to do that. I thought back to what we talked about and, and I knew that it was all going to average out and sure enough, it did. Yeah. You know, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I just, Colin, just kind of hearing you talk a little bit about your style, like to, you know, express things out loud, express your, you know, what shot, what shape, you know, maybe I can sense you, maybe you're kind of a faster player. I just think of Lee Trevino as just the ultimate extroverted uh-huh. example. Now he was talking to the other players. You know, to kind of, <laughs> I don't know if you're doing too much of that, but you, you watch those old, old videos. He, he's vocalizing and he plays quick. Right. Yeah. And I just, and there's something we all can take from that. Um, especially in this, this age of professional golf of, of data, you know, and all this information we have in our hands. So, yeah. Um, and last thing I'll kind of say about that term, I learned a lot from that phone call with him. And so I love to share all of my experiences with that. And something that we talked about as well for me is when I'm playing really well, I am talking to my playing partners, not, you know, just about everything, but just about what they're playing in and golf and just stuff like that. And I was aware, I was way more aware that when I was having a bad stretch, I would turn into an introvert. And after we had our conversation, I really forced myself to continue to have those conversations. And for me personally, it helped me because let's say I just made a bogey. Well, instead of just shutting down my entire emotions, I still was able to be upbeat and and talk to them. And it made it easier for me to get over that bogey. And then with a lot of averages, like I knew it was going to come average out and I was going to make a couple more birdies coming in. So I'm just continuing to learn about myself thanks to kyle so let's build on this for a second and i want to talk about the other facets and for people that don't wondering what we're talking about we're probably we we gave some context in the intro but mental golf type is essentially leveraging and kyle keep me honest here it's leveraging personality assessment it's very similar to myers Briggs, but rooted in golf right so i think there's 16 um personas and every did i get that right is it 16 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we use a Jungian psychology type. So, I mean, it's kind of the same language, but you know, we're not, in, we're not MBTI. Yeah. yeah. Um, but similar, similar idea and essentially mm-hmm. allows you to understand more about your personality and how that impacts your golf game. Now, the one thing I'd love to dig in on a little bit, cause Kyle, we've never actually talked about this. I want to help fill uh, the gap for people because when we talk about extroversion versus introversion, the thing that we most compare it to is charging your battery versus draining your battery. But how does a drained battery or a charged battery then translate to a golf swing? Can you help people understand how the battery impacts our game and fill that gap? 
Well, I mean, mental energy is, is a lot of physical energy too, but you know, the more drained we are mentally, the more irrational decision-making can become, Mm. um, you know, and it just starts to affect everything, decisions, how we're feeling. I mean, anybody that's been mentally exhausted knows exactly what I'm feeling. And, you know, we won't tell the whole story about Pinehurst, but when people are coming in with their whoops and their recovery rates, after going out that night, you know, things aren't going to be the best when you're only 1%, 2% recovered because you're just mentally exhausted. So if you're coming at that with a mentally drained battery, like it's just hard to be sharp. It's hard to be optimal, you know, cause that'll start to play on the physical as well. You know, so you're just not going to be able to move your best, make your best swing. And then, you know, again, the, the wormhole of things that can happen from underperformance as a result is, you know, everybody knows that feeling, but I think though the fact, and the, I just more, I guess, speak to myself of how quickly it can be charged. I mean, there's been days, I mean, I have two young kids and they get up sometimes extremely early where I've been up working all night or something. And I'm just, I mean, I'm pulling myself out of my car when I get to work, but once I get around people and I can start getting in my mode and my environment, I'm like, I'm fully up. I mean, I might be on three hours of sleep and just dog tired, but then all of a sudden I'm just rocking and rolling. So using that, it's, it's crazy how much it can energize me. I might go home and crash, but, but the fact that I can be out here doing this, I mean, people have always asked me how I can, you know, when I was, you know, in Chicago, I I was at a point where I was doing six days a week for 10 to 12 hours a day of lessons. I mean, just back to back to back. Like people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know, man. I just like, I'm so energized all day. You know, when I get to meet people, talk to people and, and help, I mean, it's just, it's always just, I'm just going boop, 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 boop. Um, but, you know, if I did get a lesson where somebody just doesn't talk or was that quiet introvert, those were brutal for me just because it's draining and it's exhausting. <laughs> you know, I need that interaction. I need that engagement. So, and it keeps me sharper too. I'm way more focused when I'm able to, you know, be extroverted and so forth. I'm forced to be quiet and internal. Like I'm just not sharp. Yeah. That's, that probably explains why when I started working from home a couple of years ago, it, my energy level was totally different than when I worked in an office, right? But one thing I'd love to dig in on too, and this is the most selfish thing I'm going to ask today, because this is what I was most looking forward to, because I want, I want my driver, Kyle and Colton, to be the ultimate case study for our listeners, because I've had, I, you know, the relationship I have with the driver, Kyle, it, it, there's a lot of trauma and baggage with that club. And we know it's mental because I was at the range with Pico just smashing my driver baby draws the whole time. And we know the range is not the course and I'm not going to compare the two, but the swing can be there. Um, And so the one thing I'd love to help people understand in regards to the next thing, which is uh, Colton, you're an intuitive, not a sensor. And the one thing, and Kyle, keep me honest with intuitives is you should be 80% target side instead of 80% player side. And that just means player side for a sensor is they're focused on the how-to, right? My swing mechanics, everything that's on the player side, they're going to focus on the how-to, how to make a good swing. Whereas intuitives, they can kind of just focus on their target, where they want it to go, bigger zones, and that's how they play. Now, Kyle, when we first started playing Pinehurst, I, for the first time ever, now maybe it didn't help that I'm working on a new thing in my swing that I've played twice with. So maybe it was harder for me to be target side, but 
I tried like 30 yard zones for the first time of trying to fly my ball through a zone, like a field goal, 30 yards in front of me to try and take myself out of the target all the way 300 yards away. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I felt it a little bit restrictive at times. And I, it was hard for me to feel like I could just let it rip because I think I was getting too defined on these zones. So I want to use Colton's experience with being target side and how you think about being target side to maybe selfishly come up with maybe something I could try Yeah, because I hit a two-way miss Colton struggle with a big right miss. I'm a righty. So a big block for years. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with, um, I find that the more aggressive swings I make, usually it takes care of itself, but then I can get quick in the transition and suddenly I can hook the ball yeah. too. So yeah. Let's talk about you and, and target side and how you think about yeah. it. Yeah. So, well, you said it there. I mean, when you're with Pico on the range, you were striping it. So you know that you can do it. It's just when you get on the golf course, um, it's just really zoning in. So personally, what I do, um, one, I have really good hands, so I'm thankful for that. But I really pick small targets. And maybe Kyle can talk about our experience when we played at Chattanooga. Um, was I really like to pick a target off the ground, pretty high in the air. Um, and I get it as small as possible, like the leaf of a tree, or I was at Pinehurst and I was talking to somebody on the range and they're like, man, you drive it really well. What are you aiming at? Blah, blah, blah. And so there was a cart in the background with a guy hitting. And I'm like, you see that white hat that that guy is wearing? That's what I'm aiming at. And I'm going to hit a draw and I'm going to aim it at this like little branch of this next tree. And so I kind of make a field goal, but I, I have a starting point and an ending point on every single tee shot. So I pick where I want the ball to start. So that being, uh, let's say, let's say it was the white hat. Let's say I'm aiming it at the white hat of that guy. I start it there and I'm going to draw it back to the really defined thing on the tree branch. And that's it. And then I'm over the ball. And that is all I am thinking about is just starting it on that line and drawing it back. And the rest of it, I don't even worry about. Let's say there's OB right or water left. Why I pick a target off the ground is so I'm not looking at that stuff. I'm looking at stuff in the air and my mind doesn't have time to focus on that stuff when all you're doing is committing to those targets. So for me personally, that's what I've really found that works. And then after that, I just hit it hard and usually goes somewhere out there. But when you pick a really small target like that, I really think it helps. So Kyle, on this note, remember the, the thing I love the, the most about mental golf type is you've heard aim small, miss them all a lot, right? But not everybody, for some people that's restrictive, kind of like I experienced with a small zone. So help people understand is an ENFP is that a good thing to aim small, miss small because it's target side or does that, or is it relative? For, for most people, the smaller spot or for most intuitives, the smaller spot is going to feel very restrictive, okay. which is why like intuitives do really well getting up there and just smashing on range because it's more open. Or if you have like an open fairway downwind, you just, I mean, there's no holding back, right? You just yeah. rip it because you got not a ton to worry about. Tighter fairways typically are a little tougher for intuitives, not always, but Colton's still doing a lot of good things like intuitives do. Like he's being very defined in the shape of the shot, you know, and he's seeing it more up in the air. Um, 
you know, intuitives typically have a little harder time with like the intermediate spot on the ground because it just pulls them so far away from target, you know, so him defining, like, I'm going to start here, even though he's saying it's a small spot, but I'm going to start it here. It's going to draw to there. That's still a very defined shape that has, again, the end goal in mind. So he's really good with that. However, Colton, if you'll take him through some of the short game stuff, some of that, some of that stuff you'll hear is why he was struggling so much in the short game and putting and some of the things we changed. So I'll let you talk about that. Mm, yeah. Do that. Yeah. So <clears throat> when chipping, um, I was really struggling with contact um, and just getting the trajectory that I wanted to. And then when I was out in Chattanooga working with Kyle, um, we tried a few different things, but the thing that really helped for me was I, I played baseball growing up and he walked maybe five yards in front of me and he put his out, put out his hand. He said, chip it into my hand. And I chipped it right into his hand and let's do it again. Chipped it right into his hand. And he's like, all right, well, instead of focusing on the landing spot that you're looking at on the green, maybe focus your energy a little bit more towards how you want the ball to react off the club face with the trajectory and then the rest will take care of itself and so we started hitting some chips and the way my mind worked as far as chipping there was when i was focused on a really small target like that i really got in my head with trying to be too perfect whereas if i'm focusing on just the trajectory and picturing his hand out there i don't focus on anything else other than just like all right, ship it into Kyle's hand. And then the rest kind of took care of itself. So it is interesting how when I am driving the golf ball, I love to be so specific um, and, and, and seeing the shape. And then chipping, I have to kind of change my mindset a little bit and, and be more of a field player and just kind of to picturing that hand out there. So it is, it's interesting. It's different. That is interesting. Colton, from a short game perspective, did it have anything to do with the type of shot you were picking? In some of your rehearsals, because you talk about trajectory and spin a lot, you know, hands versus arms, just curious. Yeah, no, super interesting. But no, um, the shot I was wanting to hit and the, the landing spot was all accurate, I would say. Wouldn't you, Kyle? Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, made, it was the right shot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything made sense. Uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't executing the shot. Um, whereas when I pictured his hand out there or worrying a little bit more about trajectory, I then channeled my brain into getting the golf ball to do that. And then by doing that, it would just kind of take care of itself and it would land right. on its landing spot and then kind of go. So you're kind of immediately more athletic. You're reacting yes. to what you're seeing and just doing it. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You yeah. kind of, I turned way too much into a robot, just trying to be way too perfect with, my mechanics and trying to land it on the landing spot with this contact. And there were so many things I was thinking about and it was like, all right, like read the lie. How do you want it to um, land on that spot? And then once you figured all that out, just chip it into Kyle's hand. It's not that hard. <laughs> well, it, Kyle, I want to start so picturing <laughs> Kyle on the course. <laughs> Kyle, it's so eye opening, right? When you have your students, he's, he's, Colton thinks one way off the tee and he thinks another, he's got to think another way around the greens. And it's just, it's so revealing. And, but it's amazing. Well, I think it's time. I mean, I, honestly, I think it's really similar though, because I mean, if you listen to how he talks about his driver, he's like, I see this spot in the sky, you know, I hit it to that and it drops there. So it was kind of implementing the same thing with that. Like, dude, tip it through my hand. 
know, we use hula hoops too. Like I would put the hula hoop on an angle where he'd want to fly it like through. So he's almost shooting it like a basketball um, just to find kind of the right visual for him. But immediately getting him thinking trajectory versus like uh, just the landing spot. Cause again, he didn't have the how, like what's the in between, like he does with his driver. With his driver, he's like, it's going to go here, it's going right. to drop to here. You know, he just like, it was, I got to land it here. And that's a trap that some intuitives can get into is, is getting too into now, like, like, like you said, becoming a robot trying to be perfect, which is why bigger zones can help the intuitive players. It just makes them feel more comfortable and freeing. Again, it doesn't mean that intuitives can't do good with a smaller focus there, but still having that flight and trajectory defined was really important. So, and we were doing a little bit of that at Pinehurst too. And I would start asking him to hit high, medium, low shots for the same thing to get him focused on getting the flight of the shot. Versus just a, you know, there's the whole chip it, you know, and that's when we get away from that, we're not clear to find this trajectory. Um, that's really the things that can cause him trouble. And that's why he just doesn't really miss his driver. Cause it's always like, I'm going to start it here, go here and then rip it. And he just knows he can do that. It's funny. We did a video guys on Instagram about how my buddy and I were waiting, you know, LA city course, we were playing nine. It was like a three hour nine hole round it was crazy we we're waiting on every tee box probably 15 minutes so we're like all right let's make a game out of this right so my buddy sam acts like he's running a route and i take my 56 degree and i flight it down to him in perfect trajectory while he's moving and it's like i was doing it every time so we did a video it's like imagine your friend running for me that was helpful because i guess kyle keep me honest that was for me as an intuitive and an athlete, it was kind of fun. I was just like letting my body do that. We've had, I, I forget, sir, was it Rotella or was it yeah. Winters? Uh, Dr. Bob Rotella or Dr. Winters? That was like when you, I think it was Rotella. He's like, when you asked me to throw that ball over the tree, you don't tell your body to lean back and all, you just do it your body sees where you need to throw it over and you do it. And so think less and be reactive. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times we hit such great shots out of the trees. Um, cause we're just being an athlete, but I can't let us move on. I know we're almost at time and sorry, we got to do more of these coach and player. I knew this was going to be great. Oh, yeah. Um, this has been great, but before we move on and finish this out, I have to clarify because I know tough. there's so many people that are like me that feel like they just can't get off the tee. And you've seen my three wood, Kyle. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can hit it. Um, but I want to use me as an example to, to help others. And so Kyle, you mentioned something to me mid round, you were trying to get me to look towards the sky, clearly mm -hmm. a zone towards the ground felt restrictive. Um, what would you tell a player that's an ENFP like me that's fought a two-way miss? The driver has been kind of talked about as this demon thing that's holding this player back. How would you free them up? And why would you look at the sky if that's the answer or an option? So looking at the sky, I've always just personally used as a trick to just get rid of the visual of you know, what's causing the trauma, <laughs> you know, when you're not yeah. driving it well, and you're still feeling that stress over that, because there's some, you know, bad demons. Again, we, we tend to rehash mistakes as intuitive players. Um, 
you know, you're still not going to feel great over that driver. And if you're feeling that stress, it's, it's going to be tough. Like you're just not going to magically be able to just get into your optimal mode. So with the sky, what I found a long time ago is like, and I, this is kind of always a story about Jack Nicholas. This coach told him if you're struggling, I was like, you know, go hit a couple balls in the ocean. I don't know if this is real or not. This is like one of those legends, but go hit a couple balls in the ocean, come back, tell me what you, what happened. And he comes back and says, well, I strike them all. And he goes, cause there's nothing out there. You just rip it. No fear, no consequence. Right. So the sky I've always kind of used with a trick of, you know, especially if you're not feeling the scenery, it was just hit it in the sky. Like it's an open yeah. ocean. That's good. what happens, hmm. you know, hit it into the clouds or something, but you know, rechanging the goal is a good thing sometimes. So meaning like, your goal is not to hit the fairway. Your goal is to hit a high draw. You know, what can you actually do with that driver mm. that you're comfortable with? You know, if your only goal is to hit a high draw, you're pretty clear of what you're going to do versus, you know, the, you know, again, if you're fearing that two-way miss, you're probably trying to hyper control the swing. Like you said, you're working on your mechanics a little bit. It's hard not to have that in the back of your head and start trying to question it, perfect it. Um, I did the same thing out there, man. I played a full 18 in a, in a year. So once I realized yeah. there's no grass and only sand on that darn course, <laughs> you know, it's just easy to start going, man, it's my takeaway in the right spot. I was covered like, in sand. <laughs> my <laughs> whole body was covered in sand. I've never been sandier in my life. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully you can actually play out of that stuff. Like I never really knew that as a spectator. I mean, I got, I got some lucky lies and was able to hit some good shots out of there, but um, man, like it is hard to hit that fairway out there. But I guess, Kyle, I mean, I love the look at this guy, actually. Um, but it's how do we get to the point for Evan or for me or for whoever, where the target is at the forefront and not where you don't want it to go, right? How do you replace where I don't want it to go with my target? And Colton, be such, you're such a great driver of the golf ball. I mean, that's it, right? Like getting them to flip-flop before you... Well, yeah. So, I mean, again, the... 75% will speculate is not great with a target focus. You know, they're, they're your Justin Thomas's Xander yeah. Shoffley's where they have a little more of a task to hit it. You know, a lot of players are comforted when they just go like my takeaways here, it's going to be good. So they're not really focused out there because the any way we look at it, golf's not necessarily a reactionary game. We're not yeah. reacting to anything. It's a proactive game. Balls on the ground. It's not moving. Target's not moving. We need to make that move. So we need to no be doubt. doing something right. Um, so like I, even basketball was like another love of sport of mine and, you know, free throw shooters are going to do that different. Like somebody's going to see the vision, you know, the thing going over the front of the rim or switching and somebody's going to be focusing on their wrist. Now. You know, it's two different ways to do the same thing. And you actually see it. If you guys watch college or NBA, you'll see some players staring at the ground to the shoot. Some players are up here yeah. focusing on the target. So the same thing in golf. Again, that's a good example. Like, we hear that target side a lot, but, you know, a lot of players actually need some sort of task, some sort of move to hit it. I mean, I always point out Xander Shoffley. I mean, that guy is over the ball for 10 seconds, almost every single shot, 10 to 11. And he looks at the target for maybe a second, if even that. It's like a quick look. Tiger looks out of the corner of his eye at an intermediate spot. Like, you don't see them up there, you know, eyes up. So even when we were there, another player in carry investment is, uh, you know, Maddie. I don't even know how to say her last name, Lutweiler. <laughs> Um, but I was doing this example with, with her of showing her because she's somebody who's not good with a target. She's the one I was standing in front of on the Instagram thing. I wasn't even letting her look at it. And it was stripe, stripe, stripe. And I go, okay, now I want your eyes up. The reaction was great. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what the heck, right? Because now I go and I watch. Like, I, we're going to do this in the next swing. Put your eyes up at the target. And I want you to focus on just 
the target, like what the ball flight's going to do. And she, I mean, she just hooked it like 20 yards left. And I went right back. Okay. I'm standing in front of you. What's your move? She was working on like, just feeling some pressure in her left foot. I think she said, and then just stripe again. And she, I mean, her reaction was priceless, but that's, I mean, for them, that's the stuff that gets them when they start getting too target focused, it becomes the, where the ball can't go. I mean, Jordan Spieth, you hear that in his language when he's struggling, I don't know where the ball's going. Where us, you know, Colton, Evan and I are going to be more of like, we're just so into our swing at that point, trying to find something we can hold on to, to hit it when that's really where we're not at our best. Hmm. Well, this always happens, Kyle. We, yeah. we never get through all of it. We haven't even talked about being a feeler perceiver. Um, we'll have to do another one of these. But I guess to finish, and just for people to know, Colton, you're at underscore Colton with a K, Lapa, L-A-P-A, on Instagram. Um, Kyle, you're at mental underscore golf underscore type. It's a mental golf type account. Mm-hmm. Great. Both great follows. Um, What's something that you want to leave people with, Colton, that maybe we haven't talked about or something that you want to reiterate? You've had two pro wins. Anything that you want to share from those experiences or now that you're on the Canada tour that you think will help you get out of your own way? I want you to talk directly to a 15 handicap that listens to this show, something that you think is a good thing to leave them with. Yeah, I think... um... I think what they need to know is what works for some doesn't work for others. So own up to your game and figure out what works best for you. If it's figuring out targets in the sky or if it's figuring out zones in the ground or whatever it might be, don't be afraid to experiment with new ideas. That's what I did with my putting. I experimented with a new setup, but I changed everything. And if I wouldn't have done that, I don't think I would be putting as well as I am right now. And so the biggest thing is, is don't be afraid to try new things. Um, I think a lot of golfers just get stuck in their head with like, all right, this is what I do. This is how I practice, blah, blah, blah. But like change it up, try something new um, and learn something new about yourself and apply what we talked about with being an extrovert or an introvert, like Picture yourself on the golf course and are you playing better when you're having a great time with your buddies or are you playing better when you're laser focused, locked in? Um, And every time you tee it up, like I said, you can always learn something about yourself um, and you can take those experiences to the next time that you play a round of golf with your friends or competitively or, or whatever that might be. But the biggest thing I would, I would say as a takeaway is, um, be open to change. And that's what Kyle and I have worked on and I'm always open to change. And I love that the stuff that we work on is, um, stuff that I've never thought about before, but he's really helped me and I'm open to experiencing that, whether it's good or bad and and trying it. So that's what I would say. Love it. What about you, Kyle? Anything you'd want to leave people with? I just encourage everybody to take that assessment. And again, I always try to make it known that I'm not the creator of mental golf type. John Weir is, and I think he's a, a genius. Like this, this, what this has done just as, you know, learning as a coach, as a player, all that stuff is, um, it, it's just something I think everybody needs to know. You know, I mean, I just look at it, like, I don't even know how I would coach anymore without knowing, you know, somebody's mental golf type, how they're wired, because I mean, how they're working on their swings, how they're practicing, like all that stuff can be optimized just by knowing a few of these things like Colton's been talking about. And, mm. you know, the great thing is, is it, 
it's not like you have to change something. Like changing a swing is hard, right? Me telling Cole to chip in my hand instead of focusing on a spot, it's not hard. It's just, it's just changing some things. But the nice thing is, is when you know yourself and you know what kind of how you're wired, it's, uh, it's easy because it feels way more comfortable. Like we know we can, most people can tell when they're doing stuff that's not good for them. They just don't know it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when I would get hyper-focused on my swing, when I was in tournaments younger, like I would just be super uncomfortable. Like my grip would even feel weird. Um, it was just, it's almost like trying to sign your name opposite handed. Like you can do it, but it's just like the mental stress behind it is tough. And that's how a lot of people are, are actually performing out there trying to do stuff that's not good for them. So just taking that free assessment and understanding just those pieces. And even just like, if you're an expert, just talking more, I mean, stuff, little things like that can help tremendously. So I just encourage everybody to, you know, just check that free assessment. I'll get your type. Um, it's, it can't hurt. <laughs> yeah. And that's at mentalgolftype.com. Well, I'll tell you guys this and then I'll let you go. Uh, Serm and I, when interviews are over, there are, I would say this happens, Serm, one out of five, one out of 10, where we look at each other. And the first thing we say to each other, every time this happens is wow. And that was definitely one of these conversations. I'm going to speak for Serm, but we've had 182, 182 conversations. And I know this one is definitely going to help a ton of people. So this might be a format we want to continue because I love the coach player dynamic and the stories and the personal experiences. So thank you both so much, Colton. We're going to be cheering you on. Yeah. Um, Pleasure to meet you, Colton. Thank you. uh, Great seeing you. We'd love to have you guys back. Thanks for having me again. So thank you guys so much for hopping aboard.